reading this morning is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, beginning at verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus said him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Something, I want to share something that I'm very encouraged by uh, at the moment. Um, So I think many of you know that I'm here at St. Margaret's, but I'm also at Fountain Church half of the time. And um, over the... Uh, I think I would say, I would said six months ago one of my disappointments of being at Fountain Church is that we hadn't seen many people's lives um, really impacted by the Lord Jesus, and particularly those amongst the marginalised community. There were there were stories, but they were kind of very um, bumpy and up and down, and no one who. Uh, I felt could really share a, a testimony of saying, my, you know, Jesus has really changed my life. Um, and uh, there were other, st- other stories, perhaps, of um, uh, people not within the marginalized community of Bradford. But there's, if anyone, you know, we've got Andy who works at Bevan, um, and many of us will know that community uh, that kind of hang around the city, the city center. And um, last, last week um, at the prayer and worship 
uh, night at Fountains. It was just this glorious moment where the, or mo- the, whole, the whole hour or so of, of worshipping, where the front row is made up of these um, disheveled men <laughs> worshipping the Lord Jesus passionately. Um, Sharon Bavington is the curate. Many of you know, know Sharon. She said, Daniel, I want you to take this in the, in the right way, but the singing was awful. <laughs> like you, you were good I was leading worship but if you were listening to those singing in the room it was awful because <laughs> of discordant um, uh, cacophony of uh, men singing badly <laughs> but loudly and passionately to Jesus and um, I don't know whether this is working if it's not um, Nick you can click me on this is Tommy Tommy Keenan he's um, one of those guys who uh, really over the past 18 months has been on this incredible journey of seeing and, and having his life changed. Um, one of uh, the aspects of this story is Jesus seeing someone for who they are and Simon the Pharisee seeing someone for whom he assumes that they are. Uh, this passage is a notorious sinner. And the reason why I thought of Tommy's, he often wears a, um, a two-piece tracksuit bottom uh, of Notorious B.I.G., if you know the rapper. <laughs> it says Notorious <laughs> across the front. He also has a very good two-pack uh, tracksuit that he wears quite a lot as well, uh, which I compliment him on. Um, and uh, it is in just gorgeous to see um, this man and a, a bunch of other men as well uh, talking about Jesus. He's, he's our biggest evangelist in the city center. He sometimes doesn't wear his Tupac or Notorious B.I.G. Um, uh, um, tracksuit set. And then he now has a Fountain Church Bradford hoodie, which he walks around the city center and is very proud to tell everyone that he can what FCB stands for. And, and he brings people with him to worship. There's always a gaggle of people around Tommy that he's kind of, he said, you must come and see. You must come and see. And so um, this story that we're about to hear reminded me of people like Tommy, but I could have also shared a number of other stories, particularly of these um, men who I think most, if you walked past them in the city centre, you would think that's, I don't know, uh, maybe a scary person or someone who I don't have any, wouldn't have any relationship with. Um, But, we're seeing the Lord Jesus really working in, in, in people's lives. I just wanted to share that at the, as the beginning, as a way of testimony that, um, of how the love of the Lord Jesus has changed and is changing someone's life. And also to build faith in us that you, me, might see such a change as well. And that uh, we might see such a change in, in Frising Hall, in people who live around here. If we, yeah, great. So I'm going to read um, a few of the the verses and we'll think through this passage. So Luke chapter 7, 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house So she came with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood before him, as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. 
Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Something that I thought about this story is what must have happened before this encounter? Had the woman seen Jesus preaching and, and heard the message of forgiveness, the message of the kingdom? I think that's, that's possible. I think more likely Jesus had a much more one-to-one encounter with this woman, perhaps in private. And we don't, you know, we'd, we'd we don't know. We're left guessing about the nature of that conversation. Um, I think that's something really worth imagining. Thinking about what we know of Jesus, his nature, his character. How would he have been with this woman? And how is she so moved to come to Jesus? And uh, later on, Jesus says to Simon, do you, do you see her? Do you see this woman? And whatever was the nature of this interaction, I'm so confident that um, Jesus, she has felt really seen by Jesus in a way that perhaps others don't see her. It says that she lived a sinful life and I think, as Rosie suggested, it's very, we don't know exactly that this lady was a prostitute or was, but she, it seems like it is like a euphemism for that. Um, and uh, I imagine Jesus made her feel very, very safe. And possibly this could have been the first encounter with a man, maybe in her adult life, but maybe in her whole life, that it wasn't characterized by either desire or disgust. Those are the two probable feelings that she experienced, particularly by men, probably by women as well, desire and disgust. But Jesus conveyed neither of those things to this woman. Uh, She'd probably never been treated like this by any other man ever before in, in her life. She knows that she just has to get to Jesus. Um, It's like her love is compelling her towards him. And it's quite a scary situation. She's going into a room full of people who she knows will judge her. And the reason she knows will judge her, because they've judged her all of her life. These are, are the people that certainly in public may have treated her with disgust and Maybe in private, who, who knows? I think it's incredibly brave the way that she enters this, this house full of people condemning her to, to worship Jesus. I want to think of a, it's a Spurgeon preached on this passage, as, as you'd imagine. Something I think is amazing about Charles Spurgeon is he didn't write out his talks and yet his, when we read his sermons, it feels as if he spent hours poring over them. They were poured over in prayer and, and meditation on scripture. Uh, but these are just transcribed from, he just got, he just got into the pulpit and, and shared. Um, and he says this, oh, oh, for more of this love. If I might pray one prayer this morning, I think it should be that the flaming torch of the love of Jesus should be brought into every one of our hearts, 
that all of our passions should be set ablaze with love to him. He's saying something has happened with this woman that ought to happen to every one of us who is a follower of Jesus. Our hearts set ablaze with, with love for him. I'm going to carry on reading. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both of them. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. I suppose. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Simon is thinking in his head. So this, this is a thought going on. It, it, you can miss that easily. It, it's, it can sound as if Jesus can hear them talking. Oh, I can't believe what's going on. But actually, this is all, it, says, it says very clearly, Simon was thinking in his head. If Jesus were a prophet, he would know prophetically who this woman is. He must have no idea who this woman is. Because if, if he did the only right response would be, get, get, up, get away from me. You know, don't, don't make me dirty. And um, that is a misunderstanding of, of grace that Jesus comes to, uh, to his message of, of the gospel. The Pharisees would imagine that something unclean could make something holy unclean. And that was the whole thing of their, of their lives, trying to live as righteously as they could and trying to keep away from anything unclean. And indeed, you know, it's not as if they were wrong to imagine that. Uh, much of the Old Testament purity laws are all about this, how to remain pure and clean. And yet Jesus knows there is something in him that makes the unholy holy. And we have this, as we read in the New Testament particularly, there's an amazing verse in Romans chapter 5, verse 20, where sin increases, grace abounds all the more. There is nothing that the Lord Jesus can't, can't forgive. Uh, it's, his forgiveness is like an ocean, is like a sea, and anything we might do is merely, merely drops in which he has the immensity to absorb and to, and not only to absorb, but to change and make beautiful. There's something, he, he, he's not just going to forgive this lady, he's going to make her past beautiful. It's going to be a beautiful testimony of what God has done. That's a, I think that's a great verse to remember where sin increases, grace increases all the more. Grace abounds all the more, Paul says. Um, John Newton, he said this. If you know John Newton, he wrote Amazing Grace and uh, was a slave, a slave trader. You know, and I think one of the very, very difficult things about his life is he, he came to faith uh, in the Lord Jesus and remained a slave trader for a number of, number of years and lived with that horrible tension in his life until he renounced it and became one of the key leaders in the abolition movement. And he said, he says this towards the end of his life, although my memory fa is fading, I remember two things very clearly. 
I am a great sinner and Christ is a great savior. As if proving that he's a prophet, knowing what Jesus, knowing what Simon was thinking. In another verse in the Gospels, it says that Jesus knew what was in a man. He, he knew the heart of people. He knew the mind of people. And it seemed that often he, he discerned their thoughts. You know, whether that's, he, he, he quite literally does, kind of like a Jedi Knight or a Doctor Who type character, or he just knows um, what human beings are like. Uh, and um, he's, he, he reads Simon's mind, so in that he's, this Simon is thinking he, he couldn't be a prophet because he would know, but he proves in this moment he is a prophet because he knows what Simon's thinking, and he says, Simon, I have something to tell you, and that's like he has a, a grenade, and he pulls out the pin, and he throws it to Simon, and Simon catches it. Oh. <laughs> And then the grenade explodes. Simon, I have something to tell you. Uh, Jesus is saying to Simon, um, this is the bit that I think we can very easily focus on on the woman, but Jesus is speaking to to Simon, the person who's come to his house as a guest. Um, There's a person who owns who owes 500 denarii. It's, that's about, it's, about, it's over a year's wages. So it, um, it's one denarii is about a, a pay for a day's work. Um, and so it's a lot of money. A year's wages is a lot of money. Um, and says, but there's another person who owes, owes 50 denarii, which is still a lot of money. It's a, it's a month's wages, but it is a lot less. And he forgives both of them. But both are debtors, and if both can't pay, both have the same fate. They would be um, thrown into, into prison, their uh, goods would be, their, you know, they would be liquidized, their, their assets in order that they, the debt could be paid. And so Jesus is saying, Simon, you are also in serious trouble. You are also in, in debt. And it's, there's, there's a... a, a something quite strong and we'll get on to how this could be an idea of a stumbling block that we talked of last week to, to Simon. Simon is as much, he, Jesus is saying, Simon as much in need of my grace and forgiveness as this woman. It's only that you don't feel it so keenly because you've kind of... Um, uh, kidded yourself by your righteous way of living that you too are not in need of forgiveness um, and the sad thing is is that, that, that you haven't you haven't come to me for forgiveness you've um, you haven't and in so doing your heart hasn't been transformed by love to love me in the way that this woman is loving me the one who had the bigger debt forgiven will love more and um you know i i think thinking back to tommy <laughs> i think one of the reasons tommy tommy's tommy's quite open about this he's he, tommy spent quite a lot of time in prison in and out um and uh i'm seeing something in his life in his love for the lord jesus that I don't see in the lives, or not as much, maybe perhaps even in my own life, but in the life of the middle class Christians. uh, Not as much of a 
Lord, I can't believe that you've done this for me. I, you know, I don't feel like I deserve this. And uh, uh, it's Tommy who's on the front row singing terribly <laughs> with his arms up from the beginning to the end. And, and I'm not saying that if you don't have your arms up in worship that you're not worshiping the Lord. Of course I'm not. What I'm saying is it's gorgeous that Tommy does. That's what I'm saying. Um, 44 to, to 50. Um, then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head. She has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Simon, do you see her? Do you see this woman? Uh, Because he doesn't. He sees, all he sees, it seems, is a sinful woman, a prostitute, a, an, an it. Uh, I don't know whether you, anyone knows um, the, is Abraham Buber, um, he's a, a famous rabbi, and he uh, is known in theology, theological circles, as, as um, this idea of, uh, I-thou relationships. And, and it comes from a, a, a story that changed, uh, something that happened in his life that changed his life. He was a very um, well-known rabbi, uh, I think living somewhere in Europe, and he uh, had, that morning, had a very intense experience of God. A very uh, incredible um, God encounter as he was praying. And uh, that's all he could think about. All, you know, in, and that day, he, um, he met with a younger man, and the younger man was telling him all about uh, his troubles, but Abraham couldn't really get out of his mind the amazing thing that happened that morning in, in prayer, trying to share with this guy, but um, wasn't really connecting with the difficulty of this man's life. And then the next day, he found out that this, this young man had taken his own life. And he, he was so moved. He realized that I, I didn't see this person for who they were and with their struggles because uh, for whatever reason, I'd become distracted. And I've been distracted by the most noble of things, uh, an experience of the love of God. And he, he said, I treated this man like an it rather than a thou, a, a, a person. I depersoned this person because of, in many, many ways, and he thought, uh, he realized for the most noble reasons. But he realized, I do this all the time. I do this all the time to people. I, I name them and I don't see them as human beings. Um, we were doing the emotional spirituality course and, and, we were sh- and it talks about this, I trying to have I-thou relationships with everybody. That's 
Part of what it means to be transformed by love in the way of Jesus is to treat everyone with the dignity of being a person. And I was thinking, who, who is it that I just see as an it? I don't give the dignity of being a, a person. And, it, and uh, for me, one of the people that came to my mind is the um, people who beg for money at uh, intersections in Bradford. Um, there's a number of uh, traffic lights where you know, there's people walk down the middle of the cars. And um, oh, I find that so hard because I don't want to give them money and there's no time to interact with them either. Um, I find myself doing is I just shut myself off. I callous my heart. And I don't have to do that. I can still look at someone and think there is a human being who God loves, God created, God died for. It doesn't mean that I have to get out of my car and um, do whatever I can to help them. But I, I'm not treating them as a thou. I'm, I'm treating them in my heart as an it in order to protect myself. Because if I didn't, then I would feel pain. But I think Jesus is saying... I want you to feel pain. I want you to enter into my ministry of the pain of this world. I don't want you to callous your heart um, to, to those in, in, in suffering and those in need. And Simon, Jesus is saying, you, treat, you have treated this woman like an it, but I have treated her like a thou, a, a person. Uh, I've dignified her. Um, Simon doesn't see a humble sinner uh, repenting and filled with love at what Jesus has done for her. He only sees her as an it, a, a prostitute, quite possibly. And he says, Simon, why aren't you showing me this kind of love? Because if you had come to me for forgiveness, I would have forgiven you in the same way. And you, you ought to be loving me in, in the same way of, of pouring oil on my head, washing my feet kissing me and yet you haven't done this but this woman has done this and he says uh, those who have been forgiven little love little and I think Jesus is saying that's just the way things often are he's not saying that's the way things must be he's saying you should love me loads because I I want to forgive you I want to say you're you're your debt is paid. It's, it's wiped off and I accept you. Um, he, he wants Simon to come to him in humility, but Simon can't because of his self-righteousness. Jesus says to her, your sins are forgiven. And I don't know this, but I'm, I'm, this is my hunch that Jesus has already said this to this lady in this private interaction. He's already loved her, seen her, and as part of this encounter has said, um, I, I forgive you. God forgives you. And she's so moved by this uh, declaration of forgiveness that she, she comes to Jesus. And this is, I think Jesus is saying it again for two reasons. He's saying it for her. She needs to hear it again. Sometimes we need to hear over and over again that our, that our sins are forgiven. That as far as the east is from the west, Jesus has removed our sins from us. As Corrie ten Boom has said, he has cast our sin into an ocean that is bottomless and has put up a, a sign at the shore of this ocean for the devil and also for you, no fishing. 
No fishing. You're not allowed to go back. Um, So sometimes we need to be reminded. But it's also for those around her to, to hear that Jesus has declared this woman righteous, forgiven. They need to hear it too. Uh, the public absolution of her sins. Um, and then the, you know, the, the people are saying to each other, now they ask, that they're, they're not just thinking in their heads, it, it, it suggests that they are saying it out loud. There's a, there's a commotion, there's a controversy. Who is this that forgives, even forgives sins? And they say even forgives sins because they know that just a few uh, days before perhaps, or even perhaps even in the same day, Jesus has healed the centurion servant. He can heal uh, sickness. But more than that, he raises the widow's son at name. But more than that, he even forgives sins. As a commentator wrote this on this passage, of the works done in this chapter, this was the greatest. Healed sickness, the centurion servant, restored life, the widow's son, are not permanent works of healing because these bodies would one day die again. Sins that are forgiven are forgiven forever. I want to close, uh, but um, I've been reading John Mark Homer's new book, um, Practicing the Way. It's very, very good. It's like, I, I think... Someone, I was talking to someone about it yesterday and they said, well, it's not new. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be new, would it? Because it's, it's the Jesus way. But he's, he's really brilliantly collated the thoughts of many other thinkers and put them in a very accessible uh, way to read and to think, how, how can we follow Jesus on the way? It's also very, very challenging, particularly to Western Christians. Um, but he said the, the goal of discipleship or how we become more like Jesus is finding ourselves looking at him looking at us in in love and that's what this woman has done is found herself looking at Jesus looking at her in love and that's for whatever reason Simon can't do because Jesus has been a stumbling block to him uh, because uh, I suppose he, he, doesn't, he doesn't recognize he's in need of a savior. And um, in that sense, you could say, despite all of his religiosity, there's a sense where he's a bit apathetic. You know, that's, that's, the, that's the struggle of our time, isn't it? Uh, apathetic people, maybe even apathetic Christians. Um, what does the word apathy mean? means someone is maybe numb or just doesn't really care for whatever reason. And when we apply it to faith in Jesus, it's that they... I talk to, <laughs> speak to my school friends and really over maybe a couple of beers. And I would say, do you, do you not ever think about whether there is a God? And do you know what? Most of them say, not really. <laughs> it's not something that comes into my mind, not really. So they're apathetic um, for whatever ever reason. I have other friends who might say all the time, all the time, uh, and are you know, wrestling with it, struggling with it. But for a lot of friends, they say, no, I never really, I never really think about that. We've got someone on our Alpha course who, who said, said that both weeks. I never, I've never think about these, these things. I think, how can you, and I know I'm thinking, how can you not, like, 
what happens when you die? Like, who made all this? And, uh, and yet, there's enough distractions or achievements to be gained that mean that you don't have to think about all this. And, but, and for, for Simon, it's that, you know, my life's all right. And I live, I, live a, I live a good life. I'm a good person. And yet, Jesus says, you, you oughtn't be apathetic because you're, Simon, you're in debt. You, you need help. This, like this woman, you need help. And um, I suppose so that's, you know, thinking, who, who, are, who do you relate to in, in this story? There may have been times in your life where you really relate with this woman. Um, but I think for many of us, and I think of myself, I probably relate more often to Simon. But I think Jesus is saying, we all ought to relate to him as this woman does. That's as faith is kindled in us and we become more aware of the great love of Jesus for each one of us, that our lives would be changed. And that begins with how we love him, but then it also then moves on to how we love other people. We don't treat people like an it, like Simon is, and, and so many people have treated this woman, but we treat them as a, as a thou, as someone with dignity, someone uh, uh, whom God loves. Um, so a question to leave with you is, um, are you going to worship Jesus like this woman? And, and how, will, how will you do that? And how do you imagine your worship of him might change you? How do you desire it to change you? I'm going to pray, and then um, Tim and uh, well, Jamie and Tim and the band. Tim, well, I think you'll introduce it, right? There's a there's a song written about this story that that we're going to have played to us. Um, but perhaps let's uh, let's pause for a moment and um, maybe just be uh, think of think of that that to look at him, looking at us in love. Maybe close our eyes. And in this moment, uh, turn our hearts toward the worship of Jesus, the love of Jesus. Lord, I invite you to move in our hearts as we are quiet now and also as we sing and as we share communion. Uh, Lord, I invite you to uh, move amongst us. to move us with the amazing truth of your forgiving, healing love. That we would be moved to worship you in gratitude. And this relationship of love would begin to change us to become more loving towards you, but also towards those around us. that those looking at our lives would see someone becoming more loving. Holy Spirit, be here, please, in Jesus' name. Amen.